Kyle, I've got the solution to our dreary, dreary evenings. We can um, we can we can pop a little magic mind and Ooh. get a little pick me up and and still still go to sleep just enough to give us some some clarity of mind, uh, a, a little creativity, get the creative juices flowing, maybe give you one or two before the podcast, you know, <laughs> to really focus you in. Uh, what do you you think fall of asleep during one podcast and all of a sudden that's your problem. Uh-huh. But yeah, absolutely. The worst thing you want to do is, you know, brew a pot of coffee at middle of the night right before a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Then you're up the entire evening. What you need is good, sustained energy, clarity of mind, not, you know, a jolt of caffeine that hurts yeah. your body and all these things. Absolutely. And uh, Magic Mind uh, does all that stuff and has that. Uh, okay. Matcha. I want to talk about matcha, Drew. Okay. All right. The the green vegetable matcha, that 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 buzzword, that superfood. I didn't think I'd like matcha. I uh-huh. am starting to like matcha, and that's one of the big key ingredients here is that that uh that lovely green superfood that has the benefits of all the uh, uh keeping you going. Yeah. And it uh yeah it it's cool stuff. It, it's pricey. Uh, mm-hmm. Matcha is. But they stick it in this uh, with with some great other ingredients, all natural stuff. Um, so, but you you can get it through us with our code. So we want you to check out this Magic Mind Elixir. Check this out. It is go to MagicMind.co/slash/comicsfunprofit. And elixir really is the perfect word for it. It's a nice little elixir. It's very yes. cool. For sure. If you feel you want to try this out, go to magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit and use our code. You can get um, 20% off uh, of an initial one-time purchase or up to 56% off of a subscription. So if this sounds good to you, go to magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit and use our code CFP. You can get up to 50%, 56% off your subscription for the next 10 days with the code CFP. Or you can just use that discount code CFP at magicmind.co slash comicsfunprofit to get 20% off a one-time purchase. Just to sample, dip your toe, check it out. Aloha! It's Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing comic book creator... Anya Davidson. She is here to promote their latest book, Night and Dana, from Graphic Universe. It's an imprint of Learner Publishing Group. This original graphic novel comes out on September 12th. Anya, welcome to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm having a really pleasant day. Thank you for asking, Jason. It's great to be here. No, thank you very much. And listeners, I'm going to let you know you may hear another voice in the podcast and Anya do you want to introduce your cat <laughs> well now that we've now that we've brought it up she's going to be silent but uh <laughs> yeah my my cat Pip has been she's very talkative and so she might chime in to to let us know uh that she's here and that's completely fine you know that's going to be great I, listeners I'm sorry I know we're doing an audio podcast but it's so cool to see Pip pop you know pop her head up it, it, it's so cool. But anyway, okay, I'm, I'm going to continue on. Now, Anya, I just want to go over some of your previous works. Please feel free to correct me or or if you want to point out to listeners what um, uh, what, do, what some of your works that you want them to like check out. So I know that um, some of your previous works, um, you wrote three graphic novels. One is School Spirits, and that was from Picture Box. Another one, Band, B-A-N-D, for life. That was a graphic novel from Santa Graphics. And Lovers in the Garden, that's from Retrofit Comics. Do you want to, is there anything else? Did I miss any? I know you have some web comics too as well. Yeah, well, I, I've been, I um, Band for Life was originally serialized on, um, back when, when Vice was doing, um, they had kind of a weekly comics uh uh, serial. They had a number of artists um, mm-hmm. doing that. Um, that was back in about 2014 or 2015, just just um, like the year prior to to the release of that book. Those strips were eventually collected, and that book was released. Um, 
And I also do some comics journalism. So I've um, I've worked for the Nib, which I'm I'm going to miss. I think a lot of folks are going to miss the Nib. Um, I've done um, right now. I'm working on a piece for New City Magazine, which is a, a free paper here in Chicago. So I do fiction and nonfiction, and I've just been yeah, I've been making comics for for many years. Although you know, I'm sure most folks um, haven't you know are not aware of my work. It's um, mm -hmm. it's you know I'm an indie cartoonist and I've been I've also been self-publishing zines and things for many years and there's an amazing comics community here in Chicago of of folks who are really into DIY so I've been very into into that for a long time okay that's so cool now also to um Anya is a musician and has played with um the with a, at least a couple bands that I know of is that um, one of the bands I used to play with is, is it called Lilac and the uh -huh. other one Spirit Trap? Yeah. And I was, before that, I was in a band called Cops. I've also liked with, um, like with the cartooning, I've been making music for a very long time, but it's, um, you know, a, a very kind of DIY punk inspired scene. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty scrappy and low budget and, um, yeah, I once again I would be very surprised if anyone had heard those bands, but um the book Band for Life was uh based a lot on kind of I mean it's it's a work of fiction, but it was based a lot on my experiences in the the DIY music community. That sounds pretty cool. And then lastly, now you you had um you had a podcast, is that correct? Mind Killer? Yeah. And once again, that's another example of the kind of like DIY ethic. I had never, um, you know, done any kind of broadcasting before, but because the the scene in Chicago is so rich and there are so many artists working in different mediums and so many mm -hmm. musicians and cartoonists um, in my social circle, um, I wanted to, to highlight them. And it was overly ambitious. I was trying to do a, a weekly podcast, which was too much for me. To manage by myself but there are about 19 or 20 episodes and i've maintained the domain mm -hmm. um, i <laughs> i haven't wanted to let it um completely disappear into oh, the yes. ether because i'm still you know i there are some world-renowned cartoonists i've i've interviewed so i like i like um yeah i like journalism from from both sides i like doing it and and i enjoy being interviewed as well oh well thank you now i'm gonna ask anya is there anything that you want anything else you want to add did i miss anything or do you have anything that you're working on right now that you can talk about that's a great question i'm kind of yeah the the my next projects um i i just had a big move so i've been focused on on uh moving into a new place and i've been cooking up um some projects but they're they're kind of too too um i i I'm a little superstitious about talking mm -hmm. about things before they're fully fledged. I don't know. Yes. Um, I feel like it kind of jinxes something to mention it if you haven't really mm -hmm. got it nailed down. So um, yeah, I've been, like I said, I've right. The, the main thing I, I uh, can talk about is that I, um, I teach at, at uh, the school of the art Institute of Chicago. So we're about to start um, our fall semester. So oh, I've been, cute. I've been gearing up for that and then just working on um uh, a, a journalism piece for New City Magazine. They're having their architecture biennial issue. So I'm working on a piece about um, historic preservation and um, and low-income housing for for New City Magazine. So that's uh, yeah, that's been that's been my week. I'm going to ask, how long have you been teaching? I started right before the pandemic. I started in 2019. Mm -hmm. I had one semester before um, yes. that cataclysmic event. And so I went, we went, um, we went online. We went mm -hmm. entirely online asynchronously. And then we were, there were, there were a number of stages. It was a real trial by fire for me because I had to learn. First, I had to learn how to, well, I'd been working with, um, before I started teaching college, I'd been working with younger children. I'd been teaching after school programs um, after school art classes for um, middle schoolers and and high school students. Yes. So I had teaching experience, but um, 
it was a crash course. I had to, yeah, learn how to teach college and then at, learn how to teach at that level and then learn how to teach online and then mm -hmm. learn how to teach in these kind of hybrid models. And so it really, now we're finally, we've been back in person um, for a couple semesters now. Um, so that's been a relief, but it's it's been a wild ride. That is pretty cool. That is awesome. Now, before I start, before we start getting um um into the um, interview, I just want to give a shout out um to Hannah Bahedri of Superfan Promotions for setting up this interview. You know, um, and Hannah, thank you very much. I want to, you know, for setting this up and for the advanced copy. And also to Hannah, thank you for asking us the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast to, uh, to interview Anya. Um, would you like to add anything to that? No, I'm super. I'm very grateful to be working with uh, with Superfan Promotions and the the marketing team at at Learner as well at Graphic Universe. So, um, we've already talked about you know um, the graphic novels that you wrote. Um, that you know the some of the bands you you know you have some music videos your podcast because this is the perfect segue to go where can people find you on social media and your website uh thank you for asking yeah i've been so i've been really kind of pulling away from social media <laughs> it was just not a good not a good time to be doing that when when a book is about to be released but um yeah twitter just that seems to be kind of going haywire and then mm -hmm. i just Kind of don't enjoy I don't enjoy um using social media that much and so um it's uh, but but that said you can find me on um at Anya P Davidson P for Pauline that's my middle initial on um on Twitter and and Instagram um I have a website that desperately needs to be updated but that's anyadavidson.com. I think a lot of the links are broken. I'm, I love making comics and I don't love kind of maintaining myself as a small business. <laughs> I don't love maintaining my brand. My brand is that I'm uh, a crotchety old person. No, but I have to say, because I, I've checked out some of your, um your, um I, I like your, I guess some of your, um I checked out one of your, punk rock um, music videos um i'm okay so i'm not really a prude but i mean but it, it was i have to say it was pretty wild i, I liked it. It, it it was it was great and then there was one of your podcast episodes i i know your those podcast episodes are a few years old but um i i i want to check out the one episode where you're like hey um you were sick that time, but you still recorded. I wanted to like listen in on that. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that one. Uh, I ended up just playing music or something. I don't think I may I maybe didn't do an interview that that week. That might have mm -hmm. been one of the later episodes. But okay, so listeners, if you get a chance, please check out Anya's website. It it's pretty it's pretty cool. It it is. It really is. All right, let's jump into this night and Dana. For our listeners, what is the story about? Um, it's about so it's about um well, Dana is the protagonist, and she and her best friend Lily have been um kind of filming pranks where they pretend to be injured. They're kind of faking injuries and they're using um a video app. Mm -hmm. It's not named, but it's kind of intended to reference TikTok um to post videos of themselves um being being injured and they stage a prank at school and it um leads to it kind of sets off a chain of events mm -hmm. um that kind of results in them meeting some some folks that that they wouldn't necessarily have met yes they're mm -hmm. mandated to go their principal mandates them um to take a community college course and I was kind of inspired by, I read Stephen King's book on writing, and I was inspired by a story that he told about, um, he was handing out, he kind of made his own satirical magazine about his teachers and, and his school that he was handing out to um, his classmates, and he got in trouble for it. And rather than punish him, his principal mandated him to 
get a um, an internship at the local paper. Mm-hmm. So that's how he sort of started his got his start in in uh, writing. And so I thought, um, you know, having worked with with young people myself and thinking about like the ways that um, that we can channel creativity. Um, yes. You know, I think I think often students who get labeled as difficult or as behavior issues or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or often just need more stimulation or just haven't found, um, you know, their special interests is not being catered to. So um, I I was really inspired by that. And I thought, well, these, these are kind of bad, quote unquote, bad kids who get um, kind of a, uh, a second chance to mm-hmm to to be to do something they find interesting which is take a community college film class and um but in order yeah in order to graduate um they they're mandate, mandated to take this class and it kind of changes the course of their their lives mm-hmm. and then also too this is off the cuff because the other thing with Dana and Lily is basically they've been f- lifelong friends you know and then, like you said, that, you know, with this uh, uh, college course about, you know, for them to, you know, kind of like take this film college course, like you said, it sets them off on literally on a different path. And yeah, they, they haven't kind of differentiated their, their, they're so kind of, um, they're, they're, they're so, their lives are so intertwined that they haven't kind of found a chance to each um, define, define themselves as individuals. And so that's kind of, that's part of the, of, mm-hmm. of what the story is about. Really, it's, you know, it's a, it's a coming of age story, but it's, it, I really, I mean, one of the central issues is climate change. Mm-hmm. And that is really important for me to talk about. It's something that um, I couldn't, this is my first book for young young adults, and like I said, I I work with young adults, mm-hmm. uh, and I couldn't, in good kind of in good conscience, make a book that didn't touch on on climate change in some way. It to, mm-hmm. just for me, I wanted to tell an entertaining story, you know. That was, mm-hmm. but I also um, it was it was very important for me to kind of address um, what I think is often the elephant in the room and what doesn't get. Um, obviously with the extreme weather we've been we've been having it's getting more attention but not still not nearly enough and i feel like um often the perpetrators are not called out um you know the oil companies and uh, factory farmers and things like that are not kind of called out the way they should be so it was important for me to to make a book that um address that also and then you know i've i've read the story i love it and then for listeners um even though that the you know there's the story of climate change in here what i love about this story is it's it's a very it's it's very subtle it's um the message is very to me it's very subtle it's there it it is there's a big, I don't know, it, it, the, the whole kind of last third of the book is them at a big, at a giant climate rally. I feel like it's pretty, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're screaming about it. <laughs> but I, but for me, I, because the thing I think I loved about it and, and, um, is that basically Lily and Dana, basically Dana finds her own voice. That's the thing I love because for some weird, for some, you know, but you're right, because we need to make a, they, they're going, we need to make a statement. We need to say this. We need to, how do we do this? Um, But like, I, but like I said, and, um, but for some reason it, it, it was, um, it, it was, and I'm, I, I don't want to spoil the ending of the story, but basically this is where Dana finds her voice yeah. right it's- yeah and it, and it's a character I, I do like to think that it's a character driven story I really care it's much easier um I I have a much easier time when I'm thinking about a story when I'm in kind of the um 
planning and preparation stage, uh, outlining stage, thinking yes. about characters and setting mm -hmm. is a, a lot more naturally to me than um, than thinking about plot. Honestly, mm -hmm. that's something that I feel like I got. Um, I was really grateful that um, well, my partner is also a cartoonist, mm -hmm. um, and so he really uh, Lane Milburn. I'm going to plug him, Lane Milburn. Yes. He's uh, done a couple books with Fantagraphics. His most recent book is called Lure, which is also about climate change. So I think it it addresses climate change. He's a he's primarily works in science fiction. Um, so there's a science fiction concept there in his yes. book. But um, it's you know something we talk about over dinner, something we think about yes. a lot. He helped me a lot with the kind of third act of like mm -hmm. with the ending of the story. Yes. And so did Greg Hunter, my editor at um at Graphic Universe. So I got help with with some of the plotting because I'm I love characters. I yes. love thinking about just kind of small moments with mm -hmm. with um strong personalities just kind mm -hmm. of um going about their their daily routines. And I love places. I loved developing Boca Bella, the the town. Um, the fictional town mm -hmm. where, where the story is set. Um, so I did put a lot of effort into that. And so I think that's what it sounds like um, if if I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly, that, you know, the, yes, there's a climate change message, but also it, it's it's about these individuals. The story is about individuals. Yes. It's, yeah. That's that's what it that's what it is. It's the, the book because the book's about the individual, the characters and the focus. Um because you know I love Dana. I <laughs> that makes me so happy. I really do because she is one of the she is one of the best well-rounded characters I have read in a long time. You know, I mean, I can feel her struggles. I, I okay, let's let me take a little step back to let listeners know. I yes, I am a middle age. I'm a I'm in my mid fifties, and you know, I'm you know, and it's. Well, how can I relate to a, a teenage character? But yet I can't because she's so well-rounded. You know, I can feel her struggles, her heartbreaks. And, you know, and um, like I said, I'm not going to give up. I don't want to spoil the rest of the story, but it's just I, I really identified strongly with her. That means the world to me. I'm so grateful to hear that, Jason. I I really appreciate you saying that. Um, she's she's dear to me, and I love her. And I I I read a review. I try not to read any reviews yes. because I'm very sensitive. But I I accidentally I was looking for something else, and I accidentally caught one out of the corner of my eye. And someone said like, "Oh, I loved Dana even when she was being an asshole." And I was like, um, "Yeah, I that that's kind of she's not." Um, She's not always pleasant, yes. but she, she's real. I mean, yes. to me, and she's she is like genuinely trying to 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 do her best or figure out what her what her best can be. Oh yes, and it's already um, because Dana is just like any typical teenager. It's like you know Dana is you know is you know, it's kind of like is the out is kind of like would be considered as an outsider because you know she's a nerd. You know, um, she loves all these. She loves the horror genre. She her whole room is filled with horror genre figures, posters, and yet at the same time too, what's what I love about her is that it's um, she also has these cute stuffed animal plush stuffed animals on her bed, and it, it but it, it's so it's so cool and. Um, the other thing too that um, she is also has been thrust upon um, taking care of her little brother, and she does it very well. She doesn't ignore him. She goes, "Oh, I have to go, babies." You know, whenever Lily says, "Oh, let's do this," or "We need to do this," she goes, "No, I have to go babysit." Or she, you know, if her and Lily um, go to the beach. She brings her baby brother-in-law. It's not like, and she, you know, and, and she watches him. It's not like, yeah, you know, I'm going to play, you know, I'm going to talk to Lily. You do whatever you want. No, it's, she's responsible. And she's been thrusted this responsibility at a young age. And all throughout the book, um, it, she'll turn to her mom and go, you know, I never asked, you know, I, you know, why are you, you know, I never 
asked, been asked to be given this responsibility, you know, but yet she still does it. And he, he, that's one of the struggles, you know, I love about her, you know. So that's, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, Jason. That's really, really, um, I feel like you, you really gave the book a deep read and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that. Oh, no, 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 you're welcome. Um, the other thing, I'm actually, before I want to, let me, let me, I'll just jump into another character before I ask this other question. Um, I also love, now, correct me if I'm wrong, hopefully I'm pronouncing her name correct, da Daphne Ocean. Yeah, That's da her, her, her name that she gives to Dana. <laughs> but I love it. Um, you know, later on in the book, she tells Dana, quote, friendships evolve in unpredictable ways. Sometimes two plants potted in the same soil need a little space to grow. That, you know, like you said, it's that coming of age story. Her and Lily are friends, you know, and things are changing, you know. Yeah, when I was when I was doing research for the book, I um I read a book called um The Power of the Crone, or is it the is the way of the crone or the power of the crone by um Clarissa Pincola Estes, who is a um a sociologist and um an anthropologist mm -hmm. and um who kind of studies storytelling around the world and she's talking about um you know, um, older women in different, um, the way older women are viewed in different cultures mm -hmm. and how, you know, in, in many different cultures, like, um, elders are revered and they're kind of, um, older, older women, especially are kind of like at that age, you're not burdened by worrying about how you're perceived mm -hmm. by other people or, or what other people think of you when you're as a teenager, um, and even into adulthood, when you're when you've entered your professional life, um, you're often very concerned with how uh, you're perceived mm -hmm. uh, by your peers. But once you reach that certain threshold, it, there's a power that comes with no longer caring um, how, yes. how how you're perceived. And so I wanted her to kind of represent to Dana um, the power of just like fully embracing your, your passions and your interests and not, yes. and just kind of, um, doing your own thing without, without, um, consideration for being cool or, or being yes. liked and yeah. Because that's the funny thing. Uh, it's not the funny thing. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. But what I love about the relationship between Daphne and Dana is that there's also a little bit of the passing of the baton from one generation to the next. Absolutely. And, yeah. And another, um, I was also thinking um, Harold and Maude is one of my favorite films. I love the character mm -hmm. of Maude. Yes. Uh, I feel like old, older women just, you know, as, as we all know, get very little kind of representation in, in film or yes. mm -hmm. in literary fiction. It's just, so, you know, it, it's, um, I think it's refreshing to see, um, you know, a character who is just kind of, um, you know, a, a little bit ageless, but also, yes. yeah, um, sharing, sharing some wisdom with, with younger people. Because the other thing I love about Daphne, and we're going to, because um, not only is she passing on her, her wisdom, to Dana, but she's also passing on, you know, the climate, you know, this is what's happening to our world, the climate change. You because there, you know, um, you know, again towards the end of the book, you know, that's great. You know, Dana goes, Hey, I have an idea, da 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 da. And then Daphne goes, You do it. And I love that. That was great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was, it was um, a lot of fun to, to write those kind of um, organizing scenes, the, the kind of, um, there's a, there's a fictional environmental group in mm -hmm. the, in the story that it's, that's based um, on a few different real um, existing groups. I was really inspired by Bread and Puppets, who are kind of um, a performative 
activist group that have been around since the, I believe, late 60s or 70s, mm-hmm. and they make banners and puppets, and they're, they yes. um, do printmaking and things. Um, so they're visual artists and and activists, which is, um, you know, something I find compelling. So th- them and then um, the Sunrise Movement, which is a, a movement for um, specifically for young climate activists. But so I was I was I really enjoy reading and researching and I, I put. Um, you know, I tried to put as much um, specificity and kind of. Um, yes real world, everything that I make up is kind of informed by real, um, real movements or real places, even if it's fictitious. So mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed doing that research about, about activist organizing mm-hmm. and, um, and I enjoyed writing those scenes as well. But it's really nice because it's, it's nice that you did all these research because it's grounded in reality because I, I, you know, because I'm going to say it's because, you know, if someone else reads this book and they see the, 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 uh, the climate activist groups, they go, Oh my, this is kind of like that group. I, you know, and they'll recognize that. You know? That's my hope. Yeah. And I think even I tell my, I, I, um, I teach a comics journalism um, course at, at SAIC, as I was saying, I do fiction and nonfiction and, mm-hmm. I tell my students that, um, you know, a love of research is going to benefit you, whether you're interested in telling fiction or nonfiction stories. And that, like, look at George R. R. Martin, all of all of Game of Thrones is based on, I don't remember which conflicts, mm-hmm. it was the Wars of the Roses or the, the Tudors. I don't, I don't, my mm-hmm. British history is very, very rusty. But that that he has was a journalism major, and that you know his fantasy. Part of the reason his fantasy is so effective is that it, it's it he he was studying you know real world combat maneuvers and real mm-hmm. world um you know basing basing a lot of a lot of you know the the um settings and and mm-hmm. um, events on on real historical conflict so I, I think whether whether you're interested in writing high fantasy or or um creative nonfiction or anything in between it's just I think curiosity and about the world and a, a love of research is just it makes life fun to to um it just adds dimension to your life if you're um always kind of seeking out new information yes um One thing I want to point out, because when you start to start to talk about research, um, you mentioned, you know, was there, why did, because, you know, was there a reason why you use for the climate, for the, you know, the, because one of the climate changes um, that affect, you know, that's presented in the book is called the red tide. You know, you know, was there a reason why you wanted to use that instead of, say, like a hurricane or, yeah, uh, something, yeah, a hurricane. You know, I thought I thought about storms, sure, because I mean, I was I was born in Sarasota, Florida, and um, spent the first few years of my life near near there in South Florida. Um, my my family later moved, but. We still had family friends, you know, for for long, long mm-hmm. after we would go to visit around the holidays and things mm-hmm. like that. We had kind of my my parents um, had a, a pretty well established friend group there, so we would we would go back to visit pretty often. And um, they were, you know, they've been they've been so badly affected by um, by climate change in in that region by storms. Mm-hmm. and by the red tide um but i thought it was a um kind of a very direct very powerful mm-hmm. symbol that the you know it, it it affected it affects me to see images of those fish kills it's mm-hmm. i love i love animals i've been uh you know a lifelong animal lover and mm-hmm. um there's something something about that in particular and and that also spoke kind of more to the horror the horror imagery too in the book yes. which you know the the kids are 
um, but you know, horror fanatics and and love gore and um, special effects makeup and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was kind of more of a one-to-one visual representation of the kind of horror of climate change. When you see a dead, when you see these, these beach beaches littered with corpses Mm -hmm. um, for miles, it, it is, it's a really powerful kind of, um, visual state it upset me to do those drawings mm-hmm. it was really hard for me to do to work on that part of the book and I thought well if this is painful for me then then it will elicit then it might elicit some kind of a feeling in in folks and I think that like you know storytelling I think in in good stories elicit powerful feelings or powerful emotions in in people so because the interesting thing I loved about you using the red tide. It's like you said, it it it's the effect of how climate change is right now. Because because I remember if now correct me if I'm wrong, because in the book, because how the red because like the red tide is like a harmful algae bloom and it needs warm water. So the oceans are heating up. But then also on top of that, because I, if I remember correctly from the book too, is that there's a, I think it was like um some some of these like um chemical plants or something they use like you know like the fertilizer is sometimes dumped into the in either into fresh water and finds its way into the ocean, but that also feeds into the blooms as well too, and that's why you know the the, the um, ocean you know these these algae correct me if I'm wrong, turns to red, but not only is it, um, uh, and it kind of comes without warning. It's not like a hurricane where we're tracking this, this, and it's going to hit here. It, some, it just sometimes appears. And like you said, it, it releases neurotoxins. It kills fishes. It kills, you know, all types of sea life. And on top of that, because you have your setting in Florida, it there's so much ramifications to this is it destroys food supplies. If it destroys food supplies, it's, and when these dead fishes and these long lines of, you know, uh, marine life litter, uh, not, you know, appear on the beach for miles, um, it, you know, um, it affects businesses like the tourism like an economic thing is going to um, destroy food supplies the other thing too unfortunately too also too is when i read from i from the um, national oceanic and atmospheric and administration or NOAA, that also too that it's also harmful to humans too it become airborne so it affects it affects literally a whole bunch of things on different levels absolutely yeah and and as you said it's bad for everyone even folks like i was just thinking as you were speaking i just um i was very late to see jaws i just saw jaws like you know not that long ago and i'm thinking about how they 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 refused the mayor kept refusing to close Mm -hmm. yeah even though that that movie gets everything wrong about shark behavior and is responsible for actually mm-hmm. a lot of kind of un, unjustified vilification of sharks. But that's another matter. But anyway, the mayor is refusing to close the beach because he wants to, you know, keep tourism going. Yes. Right of this this kind of disaster they're facing. But it's it's the kind of situation where even if you are a very business minded individual and you would like to keep business as usual going red tide is so is so devastating that you you can't keep the beaches open people yes. can't keep swimming you can't have you just it it shuts everyone down whether yes. they're whether they're very you know um uh ecologically minded or not you just can't ignore it which is another reason that it's just like yeah it's it is um it, it's seasonal. It's become. It it has kind of always been a fact of life in Florida, but but because of the ocean warming, it's it's kind of ramped up to the point where it's like every um, 
I believe spring, it's, it's just like, um, you know, it's, it's coming more regularly and it's staying yes. for longer. The effects are being felt for longer. So it is really, um, yeah, it, it's a disaster for, for everyone. Yes. And the other thing, and for listeners too, that because when I read, when I did a little bit of research on the red tide, Noah has also mentioned that it's not just Florida, but now it's like a lot of um, coastal areas are being affected by this you know so it's like it's like oh my yeah it's like ooh, you know but yes um i'm gonna say the interesting thing and you can correct me if i'm wrong because when you mentioned it's like you know for businesses that want to continue like this to keep going as business as usual without trying to change anything to you know stop you know stop dumping fertilized waste or whatever into the oceans but in in some sense and again please feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but it's almost sort of like paralleling dana's growth in the book she's trying to keep business as usual sort of and correct me if i'm wrong but she wants to still maintain her friendship with lily but lily you know has found someone else you know and then I think Lily, I mean, I think they love each other and I think they will continue to, you know, I think they, they were like a profound formative influence on one another mm -hmm. and I think they wouldn't be the people that they, that they ultimately become, um, you know, were it not for that influence. And I, I, I do, um, think that often, um, you know, friendships ebb and ebb and flow, there are yes. moments when you just kind of have to set off on your own course. And then I could see them. I feel like they'll, they're the kind of friends who will probably, you know, keep in touch yes. um, in there for the rest of their lives, but they just, yeah, Dana needed to, um, to, to assert herself and learn to assert herself. And um, yeah, just, and, and I think she was, I know, um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a familiar story in some ways, but for me, it was like, it was very important for me to leave home and come to a city. It was, it was very important for my growth to get, get out of my environment mm -hmm. to come somewhere that there were, where there were more, there were more job opportunities, more, yes. more learning opportunities, more growth opportunities. Yes. And, um, I wanted to address that too, because you, you mentioned something in our, in our emails that I thought was so perceptive. You mentioned, um, you were talking about how, um, Boca Bella, when I, there's, there's a, a moment when I'm kind of describing the town and I'm describing yes. Dana's relationship to the town. And I'm saying, you know, if you want to stay in Boca Bella, there are only a handful of options to you. Yes. If you want to stay and make a living there, you know, you can be a, a house cleaner or, mm -hmm. Uh, or you can major in hospitality yes uh, or because all of the jobs are geared around tourism and i imagine mm -hmm. it's similar in in hawaii yes. um in, in some ways as well um i grew up um yeah i was born in sarasota raised raised around there for a few years and then um my family uh my parents kind of on a whim moved to prince edward island in canada um which is right above maine yes it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and and so um you know i i spent time uh i spent nine years of my life there and um eventually my parents split up blah blah it's a very long story we absolutely do not want to get into it but um that was the case on prince Edward island as well it was like you could you could be you could um be a fisherman you know mm -hmm. you could be a lobster fisherman a potato farmer or you could work seasonally in the hospitality industry, mm -hmm. um, in, in, um, hotels and restaurants. And so, um, you know, and, and kids who, who wanted more opportunities had to leave. And so I definitely, I, I think a lot in kind of tourist areas about the kind of imbalance of power between yes. the people visiting and the people who are kind of waiting on them mm -hmm. and, that was something I, I just wanted to, um, you know, do a little meditation on, on that too, in the book, um, have Dana kind of contend with that. Because, and that's one of the things I love about this story is 
there's so many different layers to this. You know, it's again, it's 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 a very it's it's a very well-rounded story. It is, you know, um, Dana trying to you know basically um, transitioning from a teenager to adult, you know, um, finding her own voice, and in the background is all these other issues, these real life issues, you know, cl- you know, climate change is one of them. That's going to affect how, how things, you know, you know, yeah, how things are going to be in the next few years, you know, I mean, literally. And also on top of that, it's also tied into, um, to, you know, to ec- the economics too of, um, you know, where she lives in Florida, because I remember her friend, I want to say, Brandon, you know, Brandon mentions when they see the effects of the red tide. I remember him stating, saying, oh, great, I can see spring spring break being canceled this year. And it's not just he wasn't being funny or sarcastic, but they just saw, you know, all the marine life dead washed up on the shore. You know, but yeah. Do you want to add anything to that or? I mean, no, I, everything you, you said is exactly right. And, and um, as, yeah, I, I, as, as a teacher, as someone who cares about young people, I want them to have all the opportunities that I had and more. I want them to go, go forth in the world um, because, and that's this is something else that, you know, I wanted to kind of address in the book too. Like life is, scary and hard when you're not worried about fires and tornadoes Mm -hmm. and red tide and flooding and Mm -hmm. all fire tornadoes and all of these extreme weather events it's really like being a teenager is hard Mm -hmm. being a human being is being a human being of any age is really challenging and so then you put this anxiety this constant fear and real very real physical threat mm-hmm. yes on top of that and it and it, it's really i just feel for uh and the pandemic too like i just really have been kind of um feeling a lot of grief for for future generations you know i'm i'm a millennial i guess and mm-hmm. um but like gen z i just feel like i i want them to to thrive and and it it seems like if if the the odds are really stacked against them you know it seems it seems like a very difficult it's a difficult time to be an adult it seems mm-hmm. like a very difficult time to be to be kind of finding finding your way in the world oh yes um oh yeah sorry i'm, I'm gonna try to continue on because i want to try to keep us um yeah so um but no but i'm gonna so let me say this i I understand what you are saying. I'm not, and it's not a statement I'm just throwing out there because, and I don't want to get all doom and gloom, but, you know, it's like, what's the water source going to be like in 20 years? You know, if we're hearing about droughts, you know, main, like major dams in the West, like going down, you know, below their level, their par level, that's crazy. Or, um, um food supplies something simple as peaches you know you know right now you know we can go to costco we can buy them in bulk and can't remember i think i bought a box of peaches and someone's you know i, I can't remember it was like for nine bucks it's like okay yeah i can afford that but what's going to happen three years from now when the peach you know peaches you know the crops are going to be pretty much devastating or maybe devastated because of droughts or flooding and then you know all of a sudden a peach is one peach is going to cost who knows maybe five bucks you know and yeah it's it and i i feel like as i feel like human beings are not really well equipped to to plan for the future in that way or to fight an invisible threat. I mean, yeah. it is being made visible now, and I and I'm really hoping that that as a result there will be 
more that more people will be spurred to action but i think like as a species we're really just kind of we kind of have blinders on and mm -hmm. we're really just programmed to to think about what's immediately in front of us yes. and our day-to-day -day survival yeah. and i think it's very difficult for us to kind of um get over our ourselves and work collectively towards a common goal um, for the betterment of all humanity. I, I'm not going to get into my anti-capitalist, <laughs> but um, you know, I do, it is, it does seem like there, there needs to be some kind of um, a, a major shift in consciousness. I won't go into my anti-capitalist rant, nor will I go into my, like um, my hippy dippy, um, like, consciousness mm -hmm. rant but you can infer <laughs> <laughs> all right um i'm gonna move on <laughs> let's, let's, we, we need to move on because um one of the things i love about the book is i love the art style and the colors i love it um please feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but it kind of has that Fernandez Love and Rockets vibe style to it. And I love it. It's just great. Well, you've got, I'm, I'm trying to count. Um, I'm looking at your, your to read uh, long box collection behind you. It looks like you've got about 15 boxes of comics. So a compliment from just in your, in your two, 15 long boxes in your to read stack. So it's, I, I'm going to take that as a, as a great compliment that, that you um, enjoyed the art as someone who has read as many comics as you have. Um, I, I mean, the Hernandez brothers, um, you know, and, and, and they have different strengths. Like I love Jaime, I love Jaime for certain things and, and Gilbert for other things. Um, and, and I think they're, you know, I, I consider them to be kind of distinctive vision, their, their visual styles to be pretty distinctive um, and, and their writing as well. Um, I love them both. They're tremendous influences on me, um, but I think an even bigger influence, who's kind of like an influence, who influenced both me and the Hernandez brothers, is Dan DiCarlo, who, um, mm -hmm. who developed the Archie Archie Comics house. Oh. Style. Mm -hmm. I mean, Archie's had been around since like I think 1938, but Dan yeah. DiCarlo, like in the 60s, mm -hmm. is the one, like late 50s, 60s, is the one who really popularized the kind of classic. Archie mm -hmm. know and love and those Archie comics are in color yes. um so I think like and whereas you know the Hernandez but like like Jaime Hernandez can do things with with black and white that I couldn't dream of like he's mm -hmm. a master of of um light and shadow mm -hmm. and I don't consider myself to be you know I'm someone who's really I am working with kind of like the classic contour line mm -hmm. drawing yes. like more more kind of in the vein of of Dan DiCarlo someone else I I love that I bring up all the time is um John Stanley um who did Little Lulu and 13 oh, going on 18 and mm -hmm. Monster um I love kind of those like wacky teen comics um mm -hmm. I yeah um what else yeah I adore the Hernandez brothers I, I probably EC comics, um, all the mm -hmm. artists who worked for, you know, in that classic kind of pre code, pre 1956, mm -hmm. um, EC and, mm -hmm. and mad. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm just crazy. I'm just crazy about that stuff. Um, Harvey Kurtzman is probably another, like one of my greatest, um, greatest influences of all time. He, um, you know, his stuff, the stuff that he did for Mad and the stuff that he did for EC, like in those yes. two tales mm -hmm. um, titles, and I mean his just his his and that brushwork is just masterful. No one can no one can um, kind of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? No one can abstract the figure in the way that he does. He's just mm -hmm. an genius. Um, in the beginning of the book. You mentioned for Doris and Sherry. May I ask who is Doris? My, my mom and grandmother. My my grandmother who just uh, turned ninety one, and um, my mother who I'm very close with. So that's two generations of the Fleischer family. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm very grateful for their their grit. 
I learned a lot from both of them. Mm -hmm. And then um, how did you team up with Graphic Universe or well, Learner? Yeah, so um, I, I uh, write occasionally for the Comics Journal. I write comics criticism. Um, and so did, uh, so did Greg Hunter, my, uh -huh. my um, editor, he, he has since left to pursue a, an entirely different field. I think he's working in the mental health field now, but he, um, is a brilliant comics, uh, critic. He wrote a book about the artist Dash Shaw. Um, mm -hmm. but anyway, um, I knew and respected his writing. Um, I think he was aware of, of me, mm -hmm. um, my partner Lane, who I, I mentioned is also a cartoonist. Lane and I both appeared on his Comics Decalogue podcast. Um, and so we were kind of aware of one another. Mm -hmm. Invited me to pitch um, a story idea for for young adults. I had never made work for young adults and and was kind of I, you know, I'm a pretty voracious reader and have read in all across genres for mm -hmm. for since I was small, but I hadn't considered the possibility that I would work in, in young adult fiction. Um, but when he invited me to pitch, that was right at the beginning of the pandemic, mm -hmm. feeling pretty, um, un, you know, unfocused. I had other projects on the back burner that I'd been conceiving for adults, but I also, life just felt very up in the air and I was very happy to have once the pitch was um was once they they bought the pitch from the acquisitions team accepted the the pitch mm -hmm. and i signed the contract i was suddenly really beholden to a, a very strict set of deadlines mm -hmm. and that that gave me a lot of structure during lockdown when i was i was teaching but i was online so i felt you know just kind of a little bit stir crazy and a little bit un untethered so having that to 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 focus having that focus at that time was really really um i was i'm so grateful for it um let's see i'm going to start wrapping things up when is your um, do you have a upcoming convention appearance or a store signing appearance or anything you know not that i know of um that may that may change um there's a comics reading series that i that i love here in chicago that i that I'll just plug. I'm um, it's uh, I'm I'm going to a wedding um on October seventh, which is their next um meeting. But mm -hmm. it's Zine Not Dead, which is a, a quarterly um performative comics reading series that happens here in Chicago. That mm -hmm. the Chicago comics community is just like just yesterday there was a fest called Zine Mercado here, um where you know it's just very kind of grassroots DIY. Mm -hmm. publishing and printmaking community here so there's all kinds of events happening all the time i'm sure i will um pop up at at something but um no i've just been i've been doing um print interviews and podcasts and um i'll do i did the american library association conference which happened in june with learner but that mm -hmm. was that was a really exciting experience mm -hmm. meeting meeting all those librarians that was very very cool but um yes i'm just gonna do whatever whatever graphic universe tells me mm -hmm. but um nothing nothing specific on on the horizon have you and your family been to hawaii we have not i've never i've never been and i know it's one of the most um phenomenal places on mm -hmm. earth yes. i definitely i'm really interested in um organic farming and the kind of, oh, nice. um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, willing workers on organic farms that woofing community. And I know there are some, I follow some um, farmers who work with like permaculture, some permaculture oh, yes. who, who um, are, and some vegan um, foodies who, who are mm -hmm. active in Hawaii. Um, so I'm, I'm aware of that community and I would, I've, I've just, yeah, in, enthralled. Um, but uh, I, I haven't been, and I know there have been some, you know, um, I won't get into into a discussion about Hawaiian sovereignty. But yeah. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. I, I know that you know there, there, it's content that tourism can that that can be a little contentious, and so yes. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. No. 
thank you very much. All right, last question. Any closing words to our listeners? No, I'm just so absolutely delighted to have been invited here to speak with you, Jason. It's been such a, a such a pleasure. Couldn't have asked for a more pleasant way to spend an hour. And um, I'm just really grateful to everyone, anyone and everyone who um, are your loyal listeners. And um, yeah, so, so happy to, to make your acquaintance. Anya, mahalo. Thank you very much in Hawaiian. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to interview you. I wish you all the success with Knight and Dana. Um, I also want to thank Hannah of Superfan Promotions for help setting up this interview and for the advanced copy. Hannah, thank you very much. Now, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out Knight and Dana from Graphic Universe. It's an imprint of Learner Publishing Group. This graphic novel comes out on September 12th. I love this graphic novel because to me, it captures the real struggle of a teenager um, trying to find her place, her voice in this world. And as me and Anya talked about, you know, with, you know, she's just trying to, she's just, yeah, just trying to find her voice. And yet on top of that, there's other things that are outside um, stressors as climate change is also, you know, that's affecting where she lives. Um, you know, and even though um, climate change may sound like um, a little bit of a doom and gloom thing in this book, the book ends on hope. I want to make that clear to people. It ends on hope. You know, um, Anya, I'm being serious on this. You know, for, you know, if for comic book fans, you know, who have teenagers who love reading comics, you know, I recommend this. I highly recommend that you get them a copy of this book for them. It's like I said, I love it. I love the character of Dana, you know, the struggles that she goes through. She finds her voice. Um, the passing of the baton from what Daphne is teaching her, um, you know, to make a change in the world. You know, because Daphne's already going, I'm still fighting the fight, but I need, but you need to carry this on too. And I love that. I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit. It comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. No, Anya, thank you very much. It's time for our summer patron giveaway. Yes, this time we're doing a prize pack of... Uh, selected comics, uh, some swag, um, uh, uh, some special stuff, uh, gifts from Jason from Hawaii, so some Hawaiian goodies, um, all kinds of fun stuff to share our love to you, uh, the patrons. So if you would like to be included in our summertime giveaway, just become a patron at any level uh, between now and Labor Day. So it's a summer giveaway. And then after Labor Day, we will pull a, a patron randomly from the stack and send you a prize pack. Now, not only that, not only do you get entered to win, you got to be in it to win it, by the way. That's what they say. You get on-air thanks and show note shout-outs, uh, priority inclusion of your feedback and questions or comments into the show, access to our patron only slack community very popular exclusive content um you get bonus episodes that nobody else gets you get early access to bonus episodes or regular episodes you get them ad free you get them unedited um sometimes that's a blessing and a curse depending uh on your feelings there uh, all kinds of fun stuff and the levels go up you get more more stuff uh, but that's that's kind of the ground floor stuff you get um, coming in as a patron. So please do so. It also means that you like what we're doing and you're sharing and caring 
enough to uh, throw us a couple of um, shekels our way. And we appreciate that. And it helps keep the lights on. It helps pay the server fees. It helps um, keep us going and keep us doing it on our our road to a thousand episodes. Can we get there? I hope so. I hope so. But everything's going up. It's getting harder and harder um, to justify uh, luxury expenses like podcast fees. So your help is greatly appreciated and we want uh, to continue that. Some of you just do it just to say thanks. We appreciate that. Some of you do it for the giveaway. Some of you do it for uh, some of the tier perks. All those are valid. So whatever your reasoning, join our Patreon. Give us a little bit of love. We appreciate it. Come contest time, uh, we'll uh, we'll maybe we'll pull your name and you will get a fun prize pack uh, mailed directly to you. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. <laughs>